It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. The meltdown has begun. I really just, I, I really truly hope I get to watch Jeffrey Tubin cry tomorrow when the Dobbs case comes out. I assume it'll be tomorrow. The Supreme Court announcing they're going to release opinions tomorrow. Maybe it'll be next week. I will be here. I Look, I, I was thinking of taking a day off. I'm like, nope, there is no way I can take a day out because the Dobbs case could come at any moment, and I've got to be here with you to savor the meltdown of the progressives if it goes the way it originally suggested would go. Of course, it'll be conservatives melting down if it doesn't. We'll cover that too. But my goodness gracious, uh, Jeffrey Tubin, the, the Bruin case has come out and we are going to spend time on the Bruin case. I'm going to do the deep dive with you so that you become smarter than everybody else. Now, just listen to Jeffrey Tubin to give you a sense of the meltdown happening among progressives. Jeffrey Tuggin Tubin, CNN's progressive legal analyst. You know, we know that in the United States, uh, you have the right under the First Amendment to say pretty much anything anywhere because we have freedom of speech in the United States. What the conservatives on the Supreme Court are saying is we want the Second Amendment to be a first class right like the First Amendment. And we want to be able to carry guns anywhere, anytime, without any sort of regulation by the government, without background checks without restrictions on where you can take a weapon, without restrictions on how you can carry a weapon. Now, they haven't gone that far yet, but um, they are clearly moving in that direction. And, you know, we can't separate this issue from what's going on in the world, where, um, you know, we have a tremendous problem with gun violence in this country. We have mass shootings. We have 18-year-olds with accesses, access to AR-15s. And um, the Supreme Court is moving in the direction of saying the government cannot regulate that traffic at all. That's not what the Supreme Court said. You, you will not be surprised to learn that much of the hysteria of what people are saying isn't actually true. Let's spend a few moments digesting what has happened. It actually is a pretty significant decision. It is titled New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, Superintendent of New York State Police. Uh, this case before the Supreme Court is pretty simple to explain. 
in Bruin, two individuals, Brandon Koch and Robert Nash, they're New York residents. They applied for concealed carry permits to carry their guns in public uh, for self-defense. New York and six other states have uh, may issue licenses. That is in most states, so 26 states have uh, constitutional carry. Constitutional carry is once you've lawfully been able to purchase your gun, you have the background check, you fill out the paperwork, you get the gun, you can carry that gun open or concealed in most cases. Some states are you can openly carry, not concealed carry without a permit. Most states are you can just carry your gun in public, concealed or open, without additional paperwork. So that's 26 states. Now, let me, I got to, you know, I got to do the math in my head here because I went to law school so I could avoid the math. So the other 17 states, so 26 states have constitutional carry. 17 states have, you got to fill out a form and get your fingerprints. Some states also make you go through a gun safety class and learn gun laws. And then once you've gone through the, taken the, learned the gun laws, taken the gun safety class, gotten your fingerprints done, and in some cases a mental health check, then you can get your concealed carry permit. What seven states do, including New York, California, Illinois, and a few others, uh, they're all progressive states. What they do is have a shall care or have a may issue permit. And what that means is you have to go to court and say, please, sir, can I have a concealed carry permit? And the judge may give it to you, but doesn't have to give it to you. It's called subjective discretion. And conservatives don't like subjective discretion. Uh, You shouldn't be allowed to treat two law-abiding citizens differently just because you believe one guy's excuse and you don't like the other guy's excuse. And that is the situation with New York. New York has a uh, May issue rule. In a 6-3 decision before the Supreme Court today, the U.S. Supreme Court's conservatives, Sotomayor, Breyer, and Kagan in dissent, uh, said that uh, concealed carry permit requirements are constitutional so long as they are must issue. So long as any citizen can do the exact same requirements, they can get a concealed carry permit as long as there's no subjectivity for the issuing officer to give them the concealed carry permit, they can get it. It is a striking decision. Now, if you want to learn about gun laws and gun history, I can't, other than the Heller decision that Justice Scalia wrote, uh, this this decision issued by Clarence Thomas. Today, by the way, is Clarence Thomas's birthday, and he's issued the decision. Um, he is, he he really breaks this down. Uh, let me let me read you part of this. New York is not alone in requiring a permit to carry a handgun in public. The vast majority of states, forty three, are shall issue jurisdictions where authorities must issue concealed carry licenses whenever applicants satisfy certain threshold requirements without granting licensing officials discretion to deny licenses based on a perceived lack of need or suitability. 
Meanwhile, only six states and the District of Columbia have may-issue license laws under which authorities have discretion to deny concealed carry licenses even when the applicant satisfies the statutory criteria, usually because the applicant has not demonstrated cause or suitability for the license. Aside from New York, then, only California, the District of Columbia, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, and New Jersey, I said Illinois, it's not on the list, have analogs to the proper cause standard. All of these proper cause analogs have been upheld by courts of appeals, except for the District of Columbia's. Petitioners Brandon Koch and Robert Nash are law-abiding adult citizens of Rensselaer County, New York. Koch lives in Troy. Nash lives in Averill Park. The New York State Rifle and Pistol Association is a public interest group that defends the Second Amendment. Both are members. In 2014, Nash applied for an unrestricted license to carry a handgun in public. He did not claim any unique danger to his public safety. He simply wanted to carry a handgun for self-defense. In 2015, the state denied Nash's application for an unrestricted license, but granted him a restricted license for hunting and target shooting. In 2016, Nash asked a licensing officer to remove the restrictions, citing a string of recent robberies in his neighborhood. After a hearing, the officer denied the request. The officer reiterated Nash's existing license permit to carry concealed for purposes of off-road, backcountry, outdoor activities similar to hunting, such as fishing, hiking, and camping, but emphasized the restrictions were intended to prohibit Nash from carrying concealed in any location typically open to or frequented by the public. Between 2008 and 16, Koch had the same position. He faced no special danger, but wanted his gun for self-defense and was denied. That's the background here. Well, Clarence Thomas made very clear that you can't do this. In fact, Clarence Thomas did something else. A majority of the states, a majority of courts of appeals, and the federal government under the Biden administration asked the court to do something specific. Knowing where this was headed, the court proposed a two-part test and said, uh, we, we need you to do this two-part test. First of all, is this a Second Amendment issue? And secondly, if it is, is it in some way a reasonable restriction based on current circumstances. Uh, and now I'm summarizing that badly, but you, you got to understand, essentially, the, the courts begged for a two-part test, asking, please, Supreme Court, if you're going to go this way and we think you are, uh, please use our recommended two-part test. And the court said, absolutely not. We're not going to use a two-part test. What we're going to tell you is that if it's a constitutional right, it's a constitutional right. You can, what you got to do is you got to look at, uh, is say, is it a right to keep and bear arms? Yes. Historically, does this type of request fit the fact pattern of American history? That's what we're doing here. We're not doing your convoluted two-part test. We're not complicating the constitutional right with all sorts of two-part tests that essentially will continue to give courts discretion. Now, why? Why is that? 
because it's a constitutional right. Because you exercising a constitutional right should not have to get permission from the government to be able to exercise your constitutional right. I'm going slow as I talk. You may appreciate that because I'm trying to get to the particular passage here that I want to define. Yeah, here we go. This is it. This is the test. Heller, which was the case that said the Second Amendment is an individual right, rejected the application of a judge-empowered interest-balancing inquiry that asks whether the statute burdens a protected interest in a way as to extend that uh, out of proportion to the statute's effect. And so this is what they wanted. They wanted a two-part test. Let me read you what Clarence Thomas says. Clarence Thomas specifically rejects a two-part test. The test we set forth in Heller and apply today requires courts to assess whether modern firearm regulations are consistent with the Second Amendment's text and historic understanding. That's it. No two-part test. Now, he points out, before you say, well, 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 wait, historic understanding was muskets. He points out that as the Heller discussion and the right to keep and bear arms said, you've got to evolve to some degree the application. So, for example, uh, putting a tracker on someone's car, it was that didn't exist when the Sixth Amendment was formed, the, the uh, no unreasonable search and seizure constitutional amendment was formed. But you can say it's an unreasonable search and seizure to track someone to see their whereabouts to figure out where they're going and the like, that that's an invasion of privacy, even though those trackers didn't exist with the Sixth Amendment. So don't say, well, obviously, then we're stuck with muskets here, and that's what it means. No, no, no. It means weapons of war, and that's very interesting here because what the Supreme Court is saying is this applies to weapons of war. More specifically, though, this case is about handguns, not rifles. And Justice Kavanaugh, in a concurrence, says that we're not throwing out. The Supreme Court is not. Contrary to all the hype, contrary to all the fear and scenarios you may be hearing from people, the Supreme Court is not throwing out concealed carry requirements and laws. What the Supreme Court is doing, though, is saying there is history in this country for you once you buy a gun to have to get permission to carry it in public. But the history is do X, Y, and Z and you can carry. The history is not do X, Y, and Z, then maybe we'll grant you permission. So what the court is saying is that historically in this country, you have the right to possess a gun. And historically in this country, you have the right to carry your gun in public, where the public congregates outside of certain sensitive areas like courthouses, legislative assemblies, hospitals, and schools. And if that's the case, you cannot allow some busybody bureaucrat to deny you the right to keep your gun on you in public. You can't give a bureaucrat discretion here. You either must be allowed to carry it or not carry it. You can't tell the bureaucrats, y'all got to decide this based on your whims. That's what the court has done. It's a huge victory for the Second Amendment. And I got to tell you, Thomas pointed out, if you don't think there was a right to carry firearms in public, 
Read the Dred Scott decision. Yeah, Thomas actually went there. He points out that uh, Chief Justice Taney lamented, if black people become citizens, they'll be allowed to carry guns in public, and we can't let that happen. Clarence Thomas uses Tony's words against him to say even the Chief Justice before the Civil War thought we had a right to carry guns in public. He just didn't want black people to have that right, and that's why black people should have that right. Yes, Clarence Thomas went there and established that right today on his birthday. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. More importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, they've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities LLC. Member Finris. Uh, okay, I, I, you know, there is a real uh, double standard happening right now. You probably have heard or seen, it, it, it's certainly been on, in various news outlets, that the Senate candidate down in Georgia, Herschel Walker, referenced 52 states, that we, we were a nation of 52 states instead of 50. Uh, the Huffington Post picked this up. It was on various news outlets as well. Progressive spreading around the internet. Barack Obama thought there were 57 states. Barack Obama said there were 57 states. Now, there are 57 states and territories. 50 states, seven territories. But Barack Obama said 57 states. They all gave Barack Obama a pass because Barack Obama was the right kind of black man. Progressive. Herschel Walker would be a Republican in the United States Senate. So the very media outlets that were willing to give Barack Obama a pass are absolutely fundamentally unwilling to give Herschel Walker a pass. And that kind of indicates out there how much media bias there is. Now, listen, uh, I'm on record saying I thought Walker was the most problematic of the candidates running in Georgia. I continue to think that. I continue to think he can win nonetheless. What I find interesting is that uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, also the weakest candidate there, but uh, Pennsylvania voters seem to have just uh, lit their party on fire or lit their party, just struck gasoline, poured gasoline, struck the match and burned it all down. It's just bizarre. Uh, Dr. Oz is more unpopular in Pennsylvania than Kamala Harris, it looks like. Um, 
I, and you know what? Ironically, he can still probably turn it around once Republicans come home to him. But man, we may have lost the Pennsylvania seat in the Senate because those Republicans there nominated Oz. But I think Herschel Walker wins in Georgia, uh, even with the issues that he is facing. Um, he's still a good candidate. He's popular. And Raphael Warnock is Raphael Warnock. I'm a longtime customer of Bowlin Branch. I love their sheets. I sleep very comfortably, very coolly underneath them. I don't like to get hot when I sleep. They're very, very breathable. They're very, very soft. And they get softer with every wash as well. Bolin Branch sheets, they're not just buttery, breathably, and possibly comfortable and softer with every wash. You don't even have to worry about the thread count there because they use the best threads possible. And you can tell by the quality of the sheets. I highly recommend you get some. My wife and I, you know, she heard the ads on other shows. She doesn't listen to my podcast, and she wanted them, and then we got some, and we've fallen in love with them. We've got them on a lot of the beds in our house. They use the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're so luxurious. They're beloved by three American presidents, and they got over 10,000 reviews, all of which are fantastic reviews. And right now, you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolinBranch.com. That's BolinBranch. B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Friends, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Yeah, I'm, I'm spending maybe more time on this than some of you want, but it's important in large part because of the amount of hysteria that is out there. I got to read you um, something Sam Alito wrote, but but first, I want you to know a couple of nuggets from the decision today from Bruin. If you're just tuning in, the Supreme Court of the United States in a 6-3 decision authored by Clarence Thomas, delivered on his birthday, says that uh, there are seven states in the United States that have may issue rules for concealed carry permits. Uh, They have to change them to shall issue like the other 43 states. Um, The uh, the 43 states of this country say if you do X, Y, and Z, you get a concealed carry permit. And seven states say if you do X, Y, and Z, we might give you one if we want to. All the Supreme Court is doing in this case is saying, yeah, actually, you have to give it to them. Let me read you, though, a couple of nuggets. Uh, Those of you on the left may need to sit on your fainting couch for this. We have already recognized in Heller at least one way in which the Second Amendment's historically fixed meaning applies to new circumstances. Its reference to arms does not apply only to those arms that existed in the 18th century. Just as the First Amendment protects modern forms of communication and the Fourth Amendment applies to modern forms of search, the Second Amendment extends prima facie to all instruments that constitute bearable arms, even those that were not in existence at the time of the founding. Thus, even though the Second Amendment's definition of arms is fixed, according to its historic understanding, that general definition covers modern instruments that facilitate armed self-defense. One more. To be clear, nothing in our analysis should be interpreted to suggest the unconstitutionality of the 43 states shall issue license regimes which under which a general desire for self-defense is sufficient to obtain a permit. Because these licensing regimes do not require applicants to show an atypical need for armed self-defense, they do not necessarily prevent law-abiding responsible citizens from exercising their Second Amendment right to public carry. Rather, it appears that those shall issue regimes, which often require 
Applicants to undergo a background check or pass a firearm safety course are designed to ensure only that those bearing arms in the jurisdiction are, in fact, law-abiding, responsible citizens. And they likewise appear to contain only narrow, objective, and definite standards guiding licensing officials rather than requiring the appraisal of facts, the exercise of judgment, and the formation of opinion. Now, there are some problems here. Uh, Like, for example, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. What the Supreme Court says is you've got to look at um, historic standards. Was something permissible under the Second Amendment? And then if so, um, you could do a second part test and say, if it was historically permissible, is it reasonable now? What the Supreme Court has said is, no, you only do one step. Is it historically permissible? If so, you have to let them do it. So, for example, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals said that high-capacity magazines for rifles were protected by the Second Amendment. But in today's time, it's reasonable to restrict them. That's just gone out the window. Also, the 11th Circuit, which is Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, determined that uh, using just history, the Second Amendment does not extend to non-citizens unlawfully present in the United States. Um, The 11th Circuit held, if you just look at the basic history of the country and how it interpreted the Second Amendment, uh, unlawfully present non-citizens don't have the right to keep and bear arms. So that's going to affect things. Now, I got to do this. Those of you who smoke, you may need to get your cigarette ready because you may you may need to smoke it after you hear this. I'm just going to read this for y'all. You just you need to savor it. Sam Alito wrote a concurrence to the Brewer decision, the Bruin decision. And y'all, it is just, he is pouring out fire on the libs on the Supreme Court. I I, I just, I got to read this for you. This is, this is incredible. Uh, Here it is. I join the opinion of the court in full, but add the following comment in respect to the dissent of Justices Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor. You might want to sit down for this. Much of the dissent seems designed to obscure the specific question the courts decided, and therefore, it may be helpful to provide a succinct summary of what we actually held. In District of Columbia versus Heller, the court concluded the Second Amendment protects the right to keep a handgun in the home for self-defense. Heller found the amendment codified a pre-existing right and that this right was regarded at the time of the Second Amendment's adoption as rooted in the natural right of resistance and self-preservation. The inherent right of self-defense, Heller explained, is central to the Second Amendment. Although Heller concerned the possession of a handgun in the home, the key point that we decided was that the people, not just members of the militia, have the right to use a firearm to defend themselves. And because many people face a serious risk of lethal violence when they venture outside their homes, the Second Amendment was understood at the time of adoption to apply under those circumstances. The court's exhaustive historic survey establishes that point very clearly. 
And today's decision, therefore, holds that a state may not enforce a law like New York's Sullivan Law that effectively prevents its law-abiding residents from carrying a gun for self-defense. That's all we are deciding. Our holding decides nothing about who may lawfully possess a firearm or the requirements that must be met to buy a firearm, nor does it decide anything about the kinds of weapons that people may possess. Nor have we disturbed anything we said in Heller about the restrictions that may be imposed on possession or carrying of guns. In light of what we actually held today, it is hard to see what legitimate purpose can possibly be served by most of the dissent's lengthy introductory section. Why, for example, does the dissent think it's relevant to recount the mass shootings that have occurred in recent years? Does the dissent think that laws like New York's prevent or deter such atrocities? Will a person bent on carrying out a mass shooting be stopped if he knows it's illegal to carry a handgun outside his home? And how does the dissent account for the fact that one of the mass shootings near the top of its list took place in Buffalo, New York? The New York law at issue, in this case, obviously did not stop the perpetrator. What is the relevance of statistics about the use of guns to commit suicide? Does the dissent think that a lot of people who possess guns in their homes will be stopped or deterred from shooting themselves if they cannot lawfully take the guns outside? The dissent cites statistics about the use of guns in domestic disputes, but it does not explain why these statistics are relevant to the question presented in this case. How many of the cases involving the use of a gun in a domestic dispute occur outside the home, and how many are prevented by laws like New York's? The dissent cites statistics on children and adolescents killed by guns. But what does this have to do with the question of whether an adult who is licensed to possess a handgun may be prohibited from carrying it outside the home? Our decision, as noted, does not expand the categories of people who may lawfully possess a gun, and federal law generally forbids the possession of a handgun by a person under the age of 18 and bars the sale of a handgun to anyone under the age of 21. The dissent cites the large number of guns in private hands, nearly 400 million. But it does not explain what that statistic has to do with the question whether a person who already has the right to keep a gun in the home for self-defense is likely to be deterred from acquiring a gun by the knowledge the gun cannot be carried outside the home. And while the dissent seemingly thinks the ubiquity of guns in our country's high level of gun violence provide reasons for sustaining the New York law, the dissent appears not to understand that it is these very facts that cause law-abiding citizens to feel the need to carry a gun for self-defense. No one apparently knows how many of the 400 million privately held guns are in the hands of criminals. But there can be little doubt that many muggers and rapists are armed and are undeterred by New York's existing law. Every year, the New York City Police Department confiscates thousands of guns, and it is fair to assume that the number of guns seized is a fraction of the total number held unlawfully. The police cannot disarm every person who acquires a gun for use in criminal activity nor can they provide bodyguard protection for the state's nearly 20 million residents or the 8.8 .8 million people who live in New York City alone. Some of these people live in high-crime neighborhoods. Some must traverse dark and dangerous streets in order to reach their homes after work or other evening activities. 
Some are members of groups whose members feel especially vulnerable. And some of these people reasonably believe that unless they can brandish or, if necessary, use a handgun in the case of an attack, they may be murdered, raped, or suffer some other serious injury. Ordinary citizens frequently use firearms to protect themselves from criminal attack. According to survey data, defensive firearm use occurs up to 2.5 million times per year. A Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report commissioned by former President Barack Obama reviewed the literature surrounding firearm use and noted that studies that directly assess the effect of actual defensive use of guns have found consistently lower injury rates among gun-using crime victims compared with victims who used other self-protective strategies. I need to read that to you again. A Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report commissioned by former President Barack Obama reviewed the literature surrounding firearms use and noted that, quote, Studies that directly assessed the effect of actual defensive use of guns have found consistently lower injury rates among gun-using crime victims compared with victims who used other self-protective strategies. Many of the amicus briefs filed in this case tell the story of such people. Some recount incidents in which a potential victim escaped death or serious injury only because carrying a gun for self-defense was allowed in the jurisdiction where the incident occurred. Here are two examples. One night in 1987, Austin Falk, a gay man from Arkansas, was chatting with another man in a parking lot when four gay bashers charged them with baseball bats and tire irons. Falk's companion drew his pistol from under the seat of his car, brandished it at the attackers, and fired a single shot over their heads, causing them to flee and saving the would-be victims from serious harm. On July 7, 2020, a woman was brutally assaulted in the parking lot of a fast food restaurant in Jefferson City, Tennessee. Her assailant slammed her to the ground and began to drag her around while strangling her. She was saved when a bystander, who was lawfully carrying a pistol, pointed his gun at the assailant, who then stopped the assault, and the assailant was arrested. In other incidents, a law-abiding person was driven to violate the Sullivan Law because of fear of victimization and as a result was arrested, prosecuted, and incarcerated. Some briefs were filed by members of groups whose members feel that they have special reason to fear attack. See, for example, the brief of the Asian Pacific American gun owners, the brief of the DC Project Foundation, the brief for Black Guns Matter, the brief for Independent Women's Law Center, the brief for the National American African American Gun Association. I reiterate, all we decide in this case is that the Second Amendment protects the right of law-abiding people to carry a gun outside the home for self-defense, and that the Sullivan Law in New York, which makes that virtually impossible for most New Yorkers, is unconstitutional. That's Sam Alito, his concurring opinion, just absolute fire. Absolute fire. There's more to it. I don't have time to read it. You should read it. Uh, you can go to the Supreme Court's website, supremecourt.gov, and get it. It's the Bruin decision. Uh, my goodness, um, the, the the Alito concurrence is just amazing. I will tell you what, I do business with, and I'm proud to have an advertiser who helped fund the legal entities that got this victory today, and you can too. It's Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile helps fund the Second Amendment cause 
and the pro-life movement. When the Dobbs decision comes out, if it goes the way it's reported to go, Patriot Mobile will play a role. And if you're a customer of Patriot Mobile, you too will have played a role. Why? Because they give a portion of their profits to fund these causes. And the way you become a customer of Patriot Mobile is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can move your business to them from your current cell phone provider. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So you're not getting inferior service. You're using the same cell towers. And they give you great discounts as well. And they take a portion of their profits and they give it to these great causes. Patriot Mobile helped fund the cause that got this big win at the Supreme Court today. You can be a part of that by doing business with Patriot Mobile. You can call them if you want. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT. Or go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. If you're worried about the coverage maps, they have very detailed coverage maps down to your house. You can see their coverage, 5G, data, voice, all of it. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. If you are in charge of the finances of a business and you need it to grow, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. We're talking big deals. If you want to be a big deal, firstlibertyga.com. Now, we've got a lot of news that we have to cover today. Uh, I wanted to spend an hour with you on that one because my one hour is nothing compared to the insanity you're going to experience from the media today over what this case did, even though it did very little. Uh, But what it did was significant because it told seven states who allow the state to deny you a concealed carry permit just because that they can no longer do just because Uh, they got to give it to you if you comply with um, background checks of the law. Now, We have to move on. All the stuff I was going to talk about the first hour, I got to move to the second hour. (laughs) And that includes Joe Biden's polling uh, and how low Joe Biden can go in the polls. I will take your phone calls as well in the next hour. If you have questions about this case or anything else, 877-973-7425. But also, but also, uh, Stacey Abrams down in Georgia, she's gone on the warpath. Uh, Brian Kemp has accused her of supporting defunding the police. So she ran to the media and she said, no, I don't. No, I don't. In fact, my budget would increase funding for the police. They're lying. There's a problem. Stacey Abrams sits on the board of the Marguerite Casey Foundation. It's a Seattle-based organization. She gets paid by the Marguerite Casey Foundation for sitting on the board. And the board funds defund the police efforts around the country. In fact, not only does it fund defund the police efforts around the country, it funds police abolitionist movements. That is, getting rid of police departments altogether. Stacey Abrams has received at least $52,500 from this far left foundation according to her own financial disclosures. And in fact, in 2020, Abrams tried to rebrand defund to reformation and transformation. Still wants to defund it, just call it something else. Uh, But she's run to the media, and of course, the media is happy to oblige and say uh, it's not true. Exclusive! Stacey Abrams wants to fund the police. But then why is she getting money from an organization whose goal is to defund and abolish police departments around the country? 
Uh, makes you wonder. Hmm. All right. When we come back, Joe Biden, how low can his polling possibly go? Because I thought it had hit rock bottom. Well, now it's gone even further than what I thought. The new Reuters Ipsos poll, record low for an American president in public opinion polling. Joe Biden's got that. And the Democrats, well, if you listen, they're starting to talk about something that kind of tells you they know the gig is up.